0: Now listening to Grace City, Portland. It's gonna be awesome. Um, guys, we started uh, a, a new sermon series. Uh, we finished 1 Corinthians, as, as many of you know, I'm sure. Um, so we were working quite systematically through uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, a bit more of an expositional approach to the scriptures. Um, We are now in a series that we've simply entitled Trust Issues. It's more topical, as we say, because we're looking at the topic of trust. So we're going to be looking at a whole range of passages in the Bible um, and, and really teasing out trust. What does it look like? How does one grow in their trust in God? And then consequently our trust in each other. Because it always starts with God. He loves us. We experience his love and we share it with others. God serves us by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. We receive God's gracious service to us so that we ourselves can serve others. And this is how it works. This is we receive and we give. We always start out on the receiving end of the equation. In the same way, trust. God, the scriptures actually say that God trusts us. Perhaps that's a whole the sermon in itself. But um, God shows himself trustworthy by sacrificing himself unto death on a Roman cross. And he says, now trust me, follow me. And likewise, we grow in our uh, willingness our, our commitment to be trustworthy, ourselves, so that our relationships with God and with each other can be founded on trust. Because if in a community, gosh, in a society, in a church, if there's not trust, or if the level of trust in our relationships is relatively superficial, because we, we, we don't have real community, we don't have real friendship, Without trust, we've got nothing. Um, now, I mentioned last week that there's, it, it, trust is a funny one because there's another word in the script in the scriptures, but much like trust, and that word is faith. There's definitely some nuancing that needs to be done when we talk about those two words, but guys, just for simplicity's sake, I'll simply say, trust and faith really go hand in hand, arguably two sides of the same coin, Uh, Faith is required in order to to know God, to please God, to experience God. God says the only prerequisite, the quote-unquote prerequisite, is that we come to Him with a willingness to trust Him, to put our faith in Him. That's not a work. That's not some sort of emotion that we we must muster up. It's more of just a posture, a a posture of receptivity. God, I'm broken. (laughs) god i 've got nothing. My hands are empty, but i 'm willing to trust you i 'm willing to put my faith in you, who you are and what you 've done for me. So that guys, that 's trust. We need it. We need it perhaps more than anything else um, in this world right now, because I don 't know about you, but it would seem that the, the world we 're living in, our city, society, government, the institution, including the church itself, there's a major major breakdown. In trust, and it's it's affecting, it's infecting the way we relate to one another. So, trust issues. I thought it would be fun to start off by everyone uh, getting a partner, and uh, we're just going to do trust falls all throughout the room. I thought it'd be really fun if someone would be willing to do a trust fall from the balcony. Would that not make an epic church service? Jesse, are you keen? Oh my gosh, could you imagine we could get that like on our iPhones and do we would be done? We would be so kicked out of this building. And Jesse, might die, and I would just, no never mind, let's not do that. But that would be fun. Instead, uh, we're going to open our Bibles. How about that? Let's do that. Nothing my, my rambling on. Um, guys, if you have a, a Bible, grab it. Um, we have, as always, we have some in the aisle here. You're very, very welcome to grab one of those, and we will have some of our text on the screen as well. Um, some of these, if you were here last week, you'll, you'll notice um, a bit of a repeat, but I want to start here and kind of pick up right where we left off last week. Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Psalm 62, 8, trust in him in all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Psalm 91, verses 1 to 2, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. In Psalm 115, 11, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is your help and your shield. If you aspire to follow Jesus, to trust him, to trust in him, to know him, to experience the life that he offers, you'll quickly discover that it is a lifelong journey of learning more and more to trust him, to trust him. It begins in faith and it's for faith. It begins by trusting him and as we go along we realize the whole thing is just one long life, lifelong exercise in trust me, trust me, trust me. Will you trust me? Will you trust me with this? Will you trust me to go there? Will you trust me to do that? Trust me with what's most valuable, your eternity and your soul itself. Trust me. And this is the journey that Jesus takes us on. We see it over and over and over throughout scriptures. This morning, I, we're going to look at two ways or dynamics of trusting God. We're going to look at trusting God in the safe place, and we're going to look at trusting Jesus in the brave place or the safe space as pop culture likes to to say these days the safe space and the brave space and we're going to do that by looking at a couple of boat rides in the gospel of Matthew so you can flip over to Matthew now and our journey shall begin trusting Jesus from safe space to brave space Matthew 8 there it is Matthew 8 verses 23 to 27 we're going to look at two boat rides this is the first one and when he Jesus got into the boat his disciples followed him already a trust move right there they followed him onto the boat Verse 24, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he, that is Jesus, was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, save us, O Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this? that even winds and sea obey him. So we, we, we touched on this quite a bit last week, but I made the point that if we're going to trust, that trust will truly be revealed when, when things get hard, when the storm hits. Last week we, took, we talked about the armor, our soul armor. It's, we find out where our trust truly lies when the storms of life hit hard. That's what's happening here. And of course, what do we do? What do we do when the storms of life hit hard? What do we do? Yeah, we freak out. And we all do that. Like we freak out. Or at least we feel the emotions of panic. That's, that's what we do. That's super normal. Um, storms hit, we panic. That is, feelings happen. Which isn't the problem. I think it's important to point out that, that yes, Jesus he says, "Why are you afraid, oh you of little faith?" bit of a rebuking tone, I would argue, um, but not because they were, like, feeling intense emotions of panic. It was, "Why are you?" not trusting me he says you oh oh, you of little faith where is your trust i'm here i'm with you why are you panicking when we feel those emotions those overwhelming feelings of panic those fight or flight moments that's i would say normal it's certainly normal for them and I would even argue that's, that's kind of healthy. That's, that's healthy. It's telling you that something's wrong. Something is wrong. Okay, listen to your body. Something is, you, you're gonna die. You might die. You might drown. The ship is gonna fall apart. Now here's the rub. Here's what's important. Not whether or not you're feeling panicky emotions or anxiety or these things. It's what do you do with those emotions? Who do you look to? How do you respond? That is the question because how you respond to those feelings reveal where your trust truly lies. Now, learning to stay in the boat with Jesus, the master of the storm, this is trusting God in the safe space. This is learning to abide in Christ or... uh, learning to live the non-anxious life in Jesus. He is the safe space. And when we're safe, when we're in the safe space, when we can stay in the boat and look to Jesus, despite our like insane feelings of panic, it's then that we can become vulnerable because this is how trust is, is so key to relationships. Let's take our little church community here, for example. I've said it so many times, so welcome here. If you're new here, I hope, this is, I hope you feel safe here. I hope you feel like you can be yourself here. I hope you feel like you don't have to like, put on a mask or fake something here. Like, I hope that we can all be safe. Now that's nice to say, right? We won't find out if it's actually happening, if this is that kind of community, until something goes down, until something gets real, someone panics, and all of a sudden, they're like, okay, is this a safe place? Or am I, am I going to be judged? Am I going to be looked down? Am I, am I going to be kicked out? Am I going to be told that I'm not good enough? And we must be tested. So someone someone's going to freak out let's go if we discover that actually it's really safe to be in the boat with Jesus now we can start getting vulnerable once we realize like okay this this is a this is a safe space i can actually begin to expose some of my junk I remember, um, gosh, this, was, this wasn't too long ago. There was a gentleman who came into this, this building right here on a Sunday. And uh, I saw him sitting in the back. It was his very first Sunday. Didn't recognize him. And I felt like the spirit just prompted me. And so immediately after the service, made a beeline for this guy. I looked him right in the eye. and I'm like, hey, who are you? What's your story? What are you doing here? And uh, he's... Immediately, his eyes welled up, and um, it's just one of these moments, and uh, right there on the spot, he confessed something to me. He said, and he, he whispered it. He said, listen, I'm a gay man. I am terrified that if, if anyone in this place finds out, I'm, I'm, I'll be, I'm done. I'll be ostracized. No one will say it out loud, of course, but but I'll just I just won't be able to function here. I won't be able to be safe here. Um, and he didn't say it like, "Hey, I'm looking for justification. I'm looking. You know, I want you to affirm me, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. It was just like, "Look, this is just who I am. This is my junk. This is where I'm at. This is." And but I want to know this God. I want I want to be free. I want to I want to just live my life and love Jesus. I looked him in the eye I said, dude, you're safe here. He didn't believe me. Why would he? Why would he? Of course I'm going to say that. But I said, dude, just, just stay. Just come back. You're safe. You are safe. Now eventually some stuff did go down. And that, that claim that this is a safe space, that Jesus is here, he's in the boat, it got tested. It got tested. And I think that he discovered like hey, you are safe here, you are safe. And so he got more and more vulnerable and he began to let other people in and it was a beautiful thing. That's when relationship, that's when community starts to actually happen. Not, not now, not this. This is important because this is, this is incredibly superficial. Like we're all sitting in rows and I have a microphone on. Like there's like a gap between us, right? We need to know that we can be vulnerable in this place. And it is a hard, scary, complicated process. A journey that Jesus takes us on. So that's safe space. That's step number one. Let's go on another boat journey. Let's flip over to Matthew chapter 14. There it is. Okay, a few chapters later, a bunch of interesting stuff has happened. And uh, here they are again. They've just fed 5,000 people, pretty awesome big sermon, big feeding, and uh, long days over, Jesus, he says, uh, immediately he made the disciples, this is Matthew 14, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he, Jesus, dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, He was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Another storm, verse 25. And the fourth watch of the night, around 3 a.m., he came to them, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Next slide. And Peter answered him, leave it to Peter, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. That is, Peter was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, "Lord, save me!" Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took a hold of him, saying to him, "Once again, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt?" And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, "Truly, you are the Son of God." Now, just a quick side note here: very, very important. Guys, these these ancient documents that have been kept, preserved, and passed down to us, these aren't just like cute stories, It's a narrative, and I would say it's absolutely a historical narrative, but it is packed full of theological commentary. The writer, Matthew, one of the disciples of Jesus, he's... He's being very, very deliberate to communicate, to highlight some very important theological truth about who this Jesus really is. When he says, when Matthew, the Jew, the follower of Jesus says, and those boat worshipped him saying, a translation, they realized Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And they worshipped him. You know, oftentimes we don't truly discover the radical, awesome nature of who Jesus really is until we get into that storm. Gosh, this is where the um, this is where the adventure lies. Quite a few differences between this boat ride and the other. Um, there was a storm, that's one similarity. There, there was a panic, okay, this time, and not just because there was a storm, um, they, they did, didn't recognize Jesus, they thought he was a ghost. Um, you, and you have to wonder, what were the disciples thinking? What must have they been thinking out in the middle of this sea, storm raging, and where's Jesus? Where is Jesus. Did he not? Jesus, he didn't come with us, did he? He's, oh, he told us, rather, he commanded us to get into the boat and go. Now, where is he? Where is our Savior now? They don't know where he is. And they see something beginning to approach the boat. Jesus walking on the water. Storm hits. They panic, feelings happen, but this time Jesus isn't where he's supposed to be. Peter responds and says, Lord, command me. Isn't that interesting? Lord, command me and I will come. Jesus commands Peter to step out of the boat and walk on water with him. Not just walk on water, but to walk on water with Jesus. Jesus doesn't want us to simply stay in the safe space. Here's the point. And yes, I'm I'm using a metaphor for sure. But I think it's there. I think it's absolutely there. Safe space, essential. That's step one. But our trust in him is meant to be progressive. He doesn't want us just to simply stay in the boat... Jesus invites us out with him onto the water. And what is the water? Anytime you read about water in one of the ancient texts, water is the chaos. Water is the unknown. Water is the dangerous place because you don't know what's under the water. Anyone like terrified of swimming in deep water or even like in a pool at night when it's dark and you can't see what's underneath you? It's like one of the scariest things ever. You know what I'm talking about. That's the water. Jesus says, come out with me. Let me teach you how to walk in the storm. Let me teach you how to overcome the chaos. Let me teach you how to overcome the the terror and the panic. You know, if we follow Jesus long enough, there's a few things uh, one learns. Number one... You have far, you and I, have far less control over our life and the universe than we realize. Or would like dare to ever admit. We have very, very little control over the universe. Uh, Secondly, God is not only well in control of the universe that he created... But he's also good and faithful and able to keep those who put their trust in him. He is the safe space. And in the presence of Jesus is the safest place you could possibly ever live your life in this world. And here's the third thing. Not only is in the presence of God the safest place to ever find yourself, it's also the most Terrifying place you'll ever find yourself in the presence of God, the scariest place in the universe on so many levels. One, because He's God. Every time you, you, you see a vision or come across a situation where a human, a creature, encounters the actual manifest presence of God, what happens? On the face, Shaking, trembling, terrified. You've just encountered the creator of the universe. The fear of the Lord is the proper response, it's like the normal, sane response. And then what does God do? He says, Arise. In Jesus, you are loved. I'm your father. I understand, I understand, I would be terrified too, of me, paradox. (laughs) But he says arise, and he loves us. He covers us, he shelters us. He calls us his own. But it's also terrifying for another reason, and that is because God is not content to merely leave us in the safe space. He says, let's go on another boat ride. This time, I'm gonna teach you how to get out of the boat and walk on water. And it can be a scary thing. It can be a scary thing. Here's what I say. Here's me. Lord, give me a life that's sheltered from the things that terrify me. Because that's like my internal dialogue on on an average day. Lord, just keep me like secure, Keep me comfortable, keep me safe. Like, use me, you know, like I, wanna, I don't wanna be, you know, that self-centered, but just, just keep me safe, secure. Like, I'm an American, for God's sake. Like, I am <laughs> entitled to security. So that's my inner dialogue. And this is what I believe Jesus says, if I can, if I can, if I can say so. Simon, if you'll trust me, I'll teach you to walk on water. I'll teach you how to walk above the chaos that threatens to engulf you. I'll teach you how to live a life that fears nothing in this world. I'll teach you how to overcome the storm, but you must be willing to trust me. And so he calls us out onto the water. Guys, this this metaphor, goodness, it, it applies to all sorts of aspects of our life it could be it could be something very practical it could be like a situation um, maybe like a financial challenge where the, you know it's like you, you can see that deep water and you're like oh my goodness like I, just, I don't want to go there it, I'm just terrified God can you just make it go away and Jesus says well I could or I could teach you how to walk over that thing I could teach you how to trust me in that place. How about that? It could also be something maybe a bit more abstract. It could be Jesus wanting to transform the way you think. Which, by the way, is a really big deal. To follow Jesus, to repent, and to put your trust into him means that that you're going to Change the whole way you think, your whole perception of reality, God, others, and yourself is going to be transformed. That can be a terrifying process. Like God wants to mess with the core. And so, as we follow Jesus and we're in our little safe boat and we're cruising along, and Jesus is master of the storm, there will inevitably come a point where he says, You know that the way you've always viewed life, that thing about, about what you're entitled to and the way you view politics or the way you view sexuality or the way you view money and the way you view all of these like things you're not supposed to talk about in like church for sure and civil company, Jesus says, yeah, I wanna mess with all that. And it's going to, every little shred of your precious ego will resist that. But isn't it ironic, slash just really, really tragic, that typically if you have decided to trust Jesus, you come to him and there's this understanding, okay, I need you. I've done a rubbish job at being my own God and, and I've, I've figured that out and so now I need to trust the true one and only living God. I need to put my faith in Jesus. So in other words, I'm admitting you're right, I'm wrong. You're wise, I'm not. You're good, me not so much. You're God and I'm not. So this is our, our 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 confession of faith, and we that's what we do. That's how we start out being a Christian. And Jesus is like, great, wonderful. That's all right. Let's do that. But then inevitably we get to that point in our life where it's like we have a disagreement with Jesus. We come across something in Scripture that says something quite like shocking about like what? Like you feel this way about my sexuality? What? Well, Jesus agreed to disagree. Really? (laughs) But what about that whole like you're God and I'm not talk? What, now you decide you know better. Now you decide you call the shots. This is a picture of Jesus saying, look it, I know this terrifies you. I know this messes with your very identity. Talk about terrifying. And Jesus says it's time to step out of the safe space and into the brave space. This is is why it's so important that we start with the safe space. Not so that we can just all kind of chill in the boat and like, you know, drink Coronas and and fish for whatever you fish for in the Sea of Galilee. Um, And just, you know, be safe and comfortable and just, just, no. We start there so that Jesus can then say, now, I realize this is a terrifying thought, but everything you ever thought about this aspect of your life, I'm gonna mess with it now. I'm telling you, you're wrong. You're wrong, and I'm right. This is the way humanity was meant to live, to thrive. To enjoy life, oh yeah, and the world's broken. Society's got all sorts of crazy ideas about what what it's actually supposed to look like, guys. It's, it's no, it's no secret. Like we're we're living in crazy town. I'm not talking about Portland. I'm talking about like planet Earth. Like we're just crazy. The things we you hear about on the news, the media. It's like it's. it's I suppose it's nothing new, right? But it's just. And God comes along and says, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. I'm right. Now trust me. Your little opinion about how life should be lived or about you know what's PC and what should be. No, it's time to step out of the boat. We're going brave space. Now, will you trust me? This is what Jesus says. This is just like the most offensive thing ever. Will you trust me? This is, this is what it calls to be, um, re- is to, to be repentant. This is like the lifestyle of repentance. We read God's word. And he says, okay, now this is how you're meant to, to think. This is how you're meant to view yourself and the world. You've been thinking all wrong. Now I need you to change your mind and begin to trust me in a whole new way. No, I get, like, guys, I'm just as, um, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not a fundamentalist by nature. Like, there's a lot of things in the scriptures that I read, I'm like, I, like, I'll be real, I don't like it. I don't like it. Like, on a personal, individual level, I'm not down with it. But I've made the decision to trust Jesus, which means he gets to mess with my little opinions. What a roller coaster. Okay. How do we learn to walk on water with Jesus? How do we trust Jesus in ways that progress us from safe to brave space? I want to end with with three things. I want to try to make this as practical as I can. Three things. Listen, obey, remember. Remember. How do, we, how do we cross over? How do we build trust in such a way that we can actually progress from safe space to brave space? Knowing that Jesus is Lord, he's master of the storm, I can be vulnerable in this place so that God can then teach me how to step out of the boat and, and walk over the chaos. Even the chaos of my own mind. How do we do that? Listen, obey, remember. Okay, now verse 26 In Matthew 14, it says, they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke, saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. We will never learn how to trust God unless we first learn how to recognize his voice. I have been, I became a Christian in 1999, and so I've been on this journey for a little while, some of you much longer, Here's a conviction that I've come to. If you want to grow in your trust in Jesus, if you want to learn how to recognize his voice so that you can choose to trust him, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read it a lot. Read it every day. Figure it out. If you're a literate, if you don't know how to read, I'm being serious, um, audio. It's awesome. Audio. And, and maybe take a class, learn how to read. I'm um, not, not trying to be funny. Read God's word. Ingest God's word. It's how we get to know his voice. It's not this weird subjective, like, are you feeling it? I'm not feeling it. Are you feeling it? Goosebumps? Sweet. No, baby, that's fun. But God has made it so incredibly, stupidly simple for us. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Figure it out. Number two, obey. Jesus said at the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, He says, Now all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you till the end of the age. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded to you. And lo, I am with you till the end of the age. To make a disciple, to be a disciple, to follow Jesus, means to learn how to obey him. To obey him. Jesus is going to command us to do things that disagree with our preferences. As I said, many of us just want our personal version of Jesus, but not the full meal deal. We want the Jesus that affirms me. We want the Jesus that comforts me. We want the Jesus that says, I'm just buying the way I am. But we don't want the Jesus that says, right, Let's go. Let's get, let's get out on that water. Let me teach you to walk as I walk. Let me teach you to obey, even as Jesus himself obeyed. It says in Luke chapter 11, um, this was just after the bit about uh, what we studied last week. Jesus cast the demon out of the guy, and we talked about like, who's your, your soul bodyguard, your, your soul bouncer. And then there was a woman in the crowd listening to all this go down. And it says, as he said these things, a woman of the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. Weird compliment. But he said, Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And then it says in Philippians 2.8, being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. So Jesus is inviting us to live as he lived, to experience security in the Father as he knew security in his Father, to walk on water as he walked on water. I I wonder to myself sometimes, what must it have been like on the shore? So we read about Peter stepping out of the boat, right? But what was going through Jesus' mind? He had just spent the whole night in prayer with his father, just basking in the presence of his heavenly father. And the father must have said something like, all right, son, it's time to go. But the boat's gone, so you're going to need to walk. I mean, how did that go down? And Jesus would have you know, gone up to the shore like, this is what was he thinking? I'm so sorry, but I'm just like i like, I want to put myself in the moment. And he stepped on the water. He obeyed his father, and he stepped out over the sea, and he walked on water. And what he was commanding Peter to do was only to do what he had just done. He said, you want to experience this life, abundant life? You want to know what it feels like to overcome fear and to fear God alone? Step out of the boat. Trust me. Obey. And then finally, number three, remember, not every act of obedience needs to be an ordeal. If you can remember how faithful God was yesterday, trusting him today can progress into a lifestyle of faith. You guys know what I'm talking about? Has God ever, like, told you to do something, and you trusted him, and it works out? Well, and then, like, a day goes by, and then God says, right, well, okay, let's, let's try this one out. Now, obey this way. You're like, oh, God, like, no way, never, like, it's, it's not going to work. I can't trust you. Like, I know your word says it, but, uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, hang on. Like, wasn't God just, like, radically faithful yesterday? How dense are we? And like, I've, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm the worst. I'm just as bad. But I'm convinced it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to be like Israel who wandered around in the desert for 40 years. God patiently trying to teach his kids how to trust and obey. Unfortunately for us, God has given us his spirit who lives in me so that we actually are empowered to listen to obey and to remember who he is and, wh- and how faithful he always is to those who trust him. Listen obey and remember and learn how to go from the safe space to the brave space and overcome greatest and most terrible fears can we stand together Um, can I invite the band to come forward please guys I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to take a moment to receive communion which is such an incredible, mysterious and yet powerful way that we remember um, who God truly is. Just how trustworthy our king is. And We take the bread and we take the wine or the juice to remember that even, even in the face of the scariest storms, we must remember God's not a fickle God. He's not a self-centered God. He doesn't just say, "Trust me," because you know somehow like God's got the biggest ego of them all. He says, "Trust me," because I love you. I'm not trying to make a point. I want you to experience freedom and life. And he said, "Well, how, how can I know? I, how how do I trust God? How do I know He's trustworthy?" Remember, He gave up His own life for us he died for my sins and for your sins so we take the bread we take the juice the body and the blood of Jesus and we say thank you today I remember how good you are if you're a Christian then I absolutely invite you to do this um, as, a, as a renewal of your faith as a way of remembering and if you're, if you're saying like I don't am I a Christian I don't know let me invite you it's as simple as this it's as simple as this. Yes, Jesus, today I choose to trust you. Today I choose to surrender all of my rights, all of my sense of I know what's best and admit I am a terrible God. And today I choose to trust you and receive what you've done for me. And you can, you can begin the journey of following Jesus. You can be a Christian today. You can take communion with us Father, thank you so much for your goodness, your faithfulness. You are trustworthy. And I pray that even today as we think about just how how intense it can be to trust you at times, Lord, we choose to remember how good and faithful you are. That even if somehow in the moment it just doesn't make sense. Like why would I step out of a boat onto water, easy for you. Why would I do that? Father, help us. I pray that by your spirit, you would empower us to be a people who who are eager to listen to your voice and to obey you because we love you, because we want to trust you. We want to experience your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, whenever you're ready, feel free to take communion in the front of the back. There's gluten-free in the back, and the band's going to lead us in a song of worship.